The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Fight Nation. Sex and 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 Fight Nation. Sex Do you know who I am? Of course you do. This is Bully Ray, and you are listening to the Busted Open Podcast. What a show we have for you today. Me and my buddy, my pal, two tons of fun, Tommy Dreamer, breaking down WWE NXT and AEW Dynamite from last night. Two really strong shows. And I think the two things that are on everybody's mind is the return of Charlotte Flair to Full Sail and NXT. Had a big face-off with Rhea Ripley and Bianca Belair. Three women who look like absolute stars. And we're going to break down what we saw uh, last night. Also, the talk of the town. Cody Rhodes and MJF, the 10 lashes with the belt, the emotional investment, the drama, how people felt about it and how some people thought that it might have been a little too extreme. We also get into Mox, John Moxley, eye for an eye. Will Mox pluck out the eyes of everybody in the inner circle until he gets to Chris Jericho, that and so much more as myself and the innovator of violence, Tommy Dreamer, break it all down for you right here on the Busted Open Podcast. Turn that shit up to 11. I have a funny feeling that uh, what went down over the past couple of days with with Dave and him being pretty pissed off about that whole situation that took place with his wife uh, that that could have been him. Uh, normally, he answers my texts really, really quick. Um, and zero, nothing. I called his phone. It goes straight to voicemail, which is really odd. Uh, I'm going to pop huge if that was LaGreca. I, I just wish we could have seen the guy's face. Well, you stirred him up. I tried to keep him down. The nation's been all about like going after it. You know, I, I would say the... The one thing that uh, I did not uh, agree with was running through the crowd because, you know, security can only be there so much. And, you know, once you're, you know this because you started most of the riots, once you hop over that guardrail, it's free game. And, uh, yeah, I mean, there's assault. We don't know. We're trying to get our sources here. Alex is checking if Dave is in a Huntsville prison. Uh, I'll send Bobby Eaton to bail him out. We don't know what's going on. Um, if it was LaGreca, I think I'd be proud of him for sticking up for himself and his wife so quickly. Yeah, man. Good showed, for you. Showed some balls. Finally. And if it's, 
And if it's not you, Dave, well, then uh, I guess good job by MJF for riling people up enough um, until you get somebody to jump out of a balcony and jump the rail or they call in the riot dogs. It's really not uh, that, that big of a riot. Um, anyway, Tommy, I spoke two- about that yesterday, by the way, the time when you were in Detroit uh, and angry and I uh, had to uh, quell the near uh, riot and the two guys had uh, guns. And as I dove over, the, my favorite was you're going all at it with the guy. And then I just emerge behind the guy and you go, Dreba. And I just dove on top of you <laughs> and I'm punching you. And I go, the guys have a gun. And you go, who fucking cares? <laughs> <laughs> well, yep. Back in the day, we really didn't care. Um, lots of great stories from back in the day about real riots being started. Uh, last night was a riot, uh, because both shows were on and I want to get your thoughts right off the bat. Did you get to watch both shows? Of course I did. I'm well prepared for the show. Um, the one thing did you, did you find yourself liking one show better than the other or were you, were you more entertained by one show? I had asked Alex, uh, when I was on the train, I lo- I loved both shows. I loved AEW more. And then I was thinking, and I said, both shows were kind of similar to me when I'm saying format-wise and what they did, which makes the whole Wednesday Night War thing very, very interesting to me. You know, like AEW had the the legends of, of Continental, which was, you know, Arn Anderson, Missy Hyatt, Austin Idol, who did not appear on television. And then you go to NXT, and then there's a random shot of Sergeant Slaughter in the audience, you know, so if they're, you know, paying to the homage of the past, um, something like that. And then they broke down. If you look at it, it, you know, it was Moxley versus Ortiz versus Garza and Swerve. Then it was SCU versus Best Friends versus, uh, as opposed to Dijak or Dijakovic. Is that his name now? Dominic Dijakovic versus Killian Dane. Uh, I just call him DD. Exactly. Uh, Baker versus Yuka Sakazaki, uh, Mercedes Martinez versus Casey Canzazaro, uh, the amazing scramble. Then they had Devlin Tyler Breeze, and then the Sabian Janela Cody Lashes went up against uh, the whole uh, Champa Riddle Dunn versus Cole Riley Bobby Fish. So it was kind of like almost the same, but totally different atmospheres and. Man, AEW has just that great, great party vibe, and I it was it was it was a great party up until the Cody segment, and then it was like people just got so more emotionally invested into it. The, the work was all the same; everyone was was on the money, but AEW stood out to me as as we always say, it appears to be a more I know it's not a real word funner show. It, it definitely, it, it, I always say it's a more fun show it comes across as a much more fun show because of the crowd the amount of people in the crowd the smiles on the faces crowd constantly on their feet um when they do that hard camera shot the place looks pretty amazing aew does a really great job for such a young company production wise they make their arena look immense i mean okay there might be five thousand people there but they'll make me feel like the place is sold out they also do a great job of blacking out they're, you know, top tiers if nobody was there. Last night was a, it was a great house. They're doing a great job at the beginning of the show over the past two weeks with Moxley coming through the crowd. 
that they're shooting it from angles that make it look much much bigger and you know just a sea of people surrounding moxley and it's just it, listen perception is reality and every week i i go back and forth with those so shows to see where my percep perception is going and right off the bat I got Moxley coming through the crowd, and then I got, uh, you know, Riddle and Dunn. And if forget about the performers that are in the ring at that given moment. It's the vibe and the enthusiasm from the crowd. And I, that's always been the pull for me to AEW. Not necessarily because I like the match better, but the vibe that's going on, the electricity that's resonating off the TV set, it's a very infectious type of uh type of feel um i think the first thing that we need to start off with tonight is uh not tonight it's not tonight it's tomorrow and tomorrow will be today <laughs> right okay good so i think the first thing we got to start off with today is cody and mjf and i don't really know where to start because there's so many aspects of this and i i definitely want obviously want to get your take for many, many reasons. I also want to hear from the nation. 877-344-4893. 877-344-4893. Did you like what they did last night? Or did you think it was a little too much? And Tommy, the only reason I say, do you think it was a little too much? Is because late last night, I was kind of glancing through social media and I started to read a lot of tweets from fans who said that, I can't believe AEW did that. That was overboard. That was too much. I never need to see that again. And I was kind of like really taken back. I'm like, is this this new wrestling fan that's a little too sensitive to things? Uh, I don't want to get into that yet, but give me your thoughts as the guy who probably pioneered this story um, what did you think of cody and mjf i would never say uh it's too violent it was an emotional uh story that played out if they wanna i think it could be the sign of the times because if you remember even you know the backlash that um omega and moxley had over their match and that was on pay-per-view um, how you know people were screaming it's too much um, and at times it, it was but I felt it was because those guys were such great wrestlers and you know maybe they didn't need to do that but this I wouldn't say it was violent enough it was it was very very good um, storytelling making people hate the bad guy and loving the good guy and I mean it, it if I didn't see tweets like that because I did you know try to filter out a lot of the negative and I would just say okay well then go back and watch Tommy Dreamer get caned by the Sandman or watch Bully Ray what when he caned Flip Gordon um see compare those and you're gonna see uh as you know violent as violent can be and I mean then someone had sent a picture and I didn't even remember this James Storm getting caned and his back looked worse than Flip or mine and I was like, holy crap, this guy's back looks horrible. And I was also shocked because he had a pimple on his back and it didn't get popped. But that was a whole other story. Um, for uh, violence sake, no. I think it's also because, 
I wish it would have been with a Singapore cane, but I think everyone can relate to the belt uh, more so than the Singapore cane. And if he took lashes the way like that with a Singapore cane, his back, I mean, his back's going to be sore today, but I mean, he would have been gushing, gushing blood, which is cool. Bubba, you have no clue how sensitive networks are and how sensitive people are. Uh, Even an impact wrestling man, you know, they did a, a bit with Rob Van Dam and his girlfriend and, you know, we're owners of the network and the other owners like, hey, this could be too much. And, you know, somebody, it got kicked off a Twitch for a little bit. And then I went and watched it and I said, it's really not too much. It, it was, it was tame, but somebody gets something, you know, an executive or, and today's society, as you know, with social media, if somebody felt it was so, so bad, you know, you risk losing your, your television deal, sponsorships, all that stuff with some, you know, negative, I thought it was just right and told a hell of a story, um, and made me love Cody and made me hate MJF and they you know and also made uh, Dave go to jail probably so it was good. Yeah, uh, if uh, I wonder if Dave made well he didn't call me so I wasn't his first phone call and obviously he didn't call you so you weren't the first phone call. I'm sure he didn't call Alex. He probably called Violetta and if I know Violetta the way I know Violetta she let him rot in jail overnight and think about it. Um, you just said there's that, nothing like uh, conjugal visit sex though I got to tell you. <laughs> You get right to, oh, Billy. (laughs) Um, You know, you said, I don't understand how sensitive networks are, and that couldn't be any farther from the truth. When You know, about a year ago or so, in Ring of Honor, you know, myself and Flip Gordon, what I did was I took your story from 20 years ago, and I fast-forwarded it. I told the continuation of your story. I made sure I did not... Um, copy your story. I wanted it to be the next chapter of what Dreamer and the Sandman did. And I don't want to go into the exactly the whole breakdown because it's not about me or you. It's about what these guys did last night. But I do understand how sensitive networks are because Sinclair had a huge problem with all of the violence. And Ring of Honor had to kind of release the footage with still shots. They wouldn't show the actual caning of Flip Gordon. Um, So, yes, I do understand the sensitivity, and I think if they would have used the Singapore cane last night, it would have guarded that same kind of concern from maybe TNT. I'm glad they didn't use the cane because that would have come across as just too much copying. You guys did it first. I know why you used the cane. I used the cane because it was a continuation of your storyline. <clears throat> Last night, if they would have did it, it would have been, it would almost would have felt copied. I'm glad they used the strap because, as you said earlier, everybody can relate to a strap. Now, maybe kids these days don't know what it's like to get whipped by their dad with the leather belt, but I think me and you do. And I think anybody that's our age know what it's like to have, you know, mom or dad take out that leather belt and, uh, you know, you know, send it across your back. And to that, it's relatable. Or uh, the worst was the threat of don't let me go get the belt. Or even if you know you did worse, go pick out your belt. Because <laughs> it's like, what are you talking about? And I, I, that, that's not even our age. I would say Alex, because he's uh, smiling. He knows that uh, 
He knows those uh, expressions. My, my father was a little bit more, uh, I guess for lack of a better term, progressive, but there were definitely kids my age growing up who ex- who definitely experienced that 100%. Yeah. No, I never got I never got the belt. I would get uh, the wooden spoon. That was the wooden spoon by my mom. She would uh, threaten my, me. My I, just got, mom, I just got hands. <laughs> my mom was accurate with a wooden spoon or a shoe from up to 30 <laughs> yards away. Seriously. She had incredible aim. Sirius XM Fight Nation celebrates Black History Month every weekday at 2 p.m. Eastern on the Ock and Barack Show. All month long, the show reflects on the life and legacy of different influential African-American athletes, such icons as Muhammad Ali, I'm the king of the world. Kobe Bryant. You guys will always be in my heart. I love you guys. Jackie Robinson. Robinson dashes to the plate. Safe. And more will be recognized for the impact they made both in and out of sports. The Ock and Barack Show, weekdays noon till 3 Eastern, only on Sirius XM Fight Nation. I want to know what the difference was from when the Sandman caned you to last night when MJF whipped the piss out of Cody. I have my opinions on what was different about it and not different from what we actually see with our eyes, not different from like one guy used a cane and one guy used a strap, different about the feel in the room and what was trying to be accomplished from a storyline point of view. Uh, for me, it was I was not as established or over yet with the audience. And Sandman, and if you go back and watch it, you can watch it on WWE Network, and they were cheering at first for Sandman on the first couple of hits. And mine was trying to prove that I'm tough and I will go through any obstacle to pretty much for the people or I can go through any obstacle. And to his credit, I don't want to say he came up with the idea. Taz went to Paulie when I was struggling and said, dude, this kid is tough. We have to show that he's tough. And it was Paul's idea off of the whole uh, a real-life situation that happened in Singapore, why that happened. So you had a non-established, not-so-over person and instantly started to become over and the feel in the room was like on the first hit yay the second hit yay third hit like oh and then they're witnessing someone really getting caned and the struggles of someone literally not wanting to get up but I had to keep on getting up with Cody Cody is established and it showed Cody will go through any obstacle to get to MJF um, I loved the human element of here comes Arn, his coach. Here comes Dustin basically saying, I'll take those hits. This is my brother, like any brother would do. Um, the Brandy thing at the end, too, like telling like how much she loves him and supports him and she could do this. We have all gone through obstacles in life that we need to overcome. And, you know, Cody kind of did that. I mean, look, the guy's probably a millionaire. He's an executive for the company. He does not need to be doing stuff like this. And he did it uh, also to help his own company. And it's literally when you say, I'm the franchise player. um, I'm going to carry a company on my back. Cody went out there and proved that last night. It's like, you know, a quarterback knowing he's going to get hit but he hangs on to that ball for the last second so he could score that touchdown as he gets blasted and he gets, you know, it, it's even more respect. And it, it totally furthered the angle. It, it made 
it made people feel sorry for Cody. And the biggest thing to me is Cody is so established. Cody is the the star of the company. And when you have you don't have to go out there and do that. And he did that. And it was it was I loved it. It was a great piece of business, as JR would say. What I found interesting was you said that when you took those cane shots from the Sandman, after the first shot and the second shot, like the people were kind of into it, like on the Sandman side. But when you got to shot three and four, people started to sympathize with you. Honestly, last night after shot number one and shot number two, I was a little concerned for them. I didn't think they had the people. And then shot number three came and something happened. It started to resonate. Maybe at first the people didn't think it was, I don't know, real enough. Maybe the first two shots weren't there enough. But by that third shot, I was like, okay, now they got him. You know, you know, uh, really quick, Tom. You know what I think it was, uh, Bubba. That first shot sort of went across the uh, right back, the back of the right shoulder of Cody, which I mean is a lot more of a sensitive spot, I think, and 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 a spot you wouldn't necessarily think would hurt so bad, but maybe didn't have that same uh, loudness when it hit um, as when he went to that third shot where it went right across the middle, lower back, boom, and then everybody was like, "Okay, this this is real now." That's at least was my reaction sitting at home watching it hey i remember when i got uh cane by Sandman and the, and you know the cane bends a lot uh he hit me it would hit the back but also hit my tricep and i thought it tore my tricep and uh i posted a picture you can see the welts on my body from back when it happened to me but i thought my tricep had fallen off my body from from the hit the the strap to the lower back dude it it takes away you, almost like feeling, you know how many nerves you have in your lower back? And then he also did one straight across the back, and, and that is your entire spine. And Bubba, the thing to you, how I think, how it also got the people uh, behind it was because Cody went down. He's, when you fall, and you know you, we talk about biblical terms, or even if you remember when The Passion of Christ came out with the Mel Gibson movie, they were people wanting to ban the movie because, and, you know, protesting because of this horrible, horrible act of, you know, um, in a movie of a guy getting caned. And here's a, a real life caning. Thank God it wasn't as brutal as, you know, the, the, the picture portrayed, but man, it, it, that it hurts. And the only thing that, you know, for today, and a lot of people don't understand, I, I broke it down yesterday, the, the pain that he'll have for the next few days when again you're 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 the top guy you don't need to be going through stuff like that but he loves this business as much as anybody and he put his body on the line the only thing you really could do it's going to hurt putting on your shirt it's going to hurt uh he didn't really get cut up that much but you got to put a bacitration on your back cuz you know it's it's going to stink for the next 3 to 4 days of just whenever you do something called moving so uh if you just stay still for at least 3 4 days it's okay just have your wife pour a bottle of Jack Daniels across your back. You'll be fine. Rub some <laughs> dirt on it. Um, one of the things that I read last night on social media was people, I guess, questioning Brandy Rhodes coming to the ring for her husband. 
Um, I thought that that was a necessary touch. Yes, Brandy Rhodes is part of the Nightmare Initiative, and she she's the head of that stable. But at the end of the day, in it, it, when you step out of the world of uh, sports entertainment, which AEW is, Brandy is still Cody's wife. I like the fact that Brandy came down and grabbed Cody's hand and they made eye contact and Cody was crying. Uh, I had no problem with that. I think that adds to the story. I saw people on social media who was questioning it. What was your opinion on Brandy coming down, Tommy? I I love that element. Um, And like for me, when it happened to me, I was alone. But then it was like almost, I remember people, I could see their faces, girls crying, guys saying, Dreamer, just stay down. It it gave people that element of no matter what, this is still my husband. I'm, I'm a big fan of Brandy Rhodes, the baby face. Um, I also think this is a good way to get rid of the weird group. And I know Kong is now out. She got uh, taken out of that group because I think she's uh, going to go film Glow. Uh, I think it's a cool way to maybe get rid of that and bring in the human element of this is my husband. I stand behind him. There's so many different ways you can go. You can go with this, and it just totally adds. It was, dude. What we saw last night was a soap opera. It was. Uh, it was. It catch. It. It. It just makes you really want to see two guys fight, and hopefully, and I know they will. Cody will kick his ass, and you could ah. go ten thousand different ways with this angle you really can it makes you want to see two guys fight keyword fight i do not want to see cody and mjf wrestle i can see plenty of other wrestling on that show i want to see a fight a good old-fashioned fight just like guys like Lawler and Funk used to do, or Lawler and Dundee, where their fists and their facial expressions tell us everything we need to know. John Jones is one of the most dominant champions in UFC history. He might be the greatest talent that we've ever seen in the UFC. And at UFC 247, he defends his light heavyweight throne from dangerous knockout artist Dominic Reyes. Hey, John, hold that bell, baby. Let's go. Join Sirius XF Fight Nation this Saturday for full coverage beginning at 6 p.m. Eastern, followed by post-fight reaction and analysis starting at 1 a.m. Eastern. We bring the fight to you. Sirius XM Fight Nation Channel 156. Last night, I really enjoyed Charlotte, Bianca, and Rhea Ripley. Right off the bat, Charlotte comes out. She gets a pretty decent reaction from Full Sail, the NXT crowd. Not like a monster reaction. She didn't get the same reaction Finn Balor got when he came back. Um, Charlotte did something that I thought was so smart last night, Tommy. And what was that? Did you see the three to four inch heels she was wearing? I did notice how much taller she was than everyone. I thought she had a growth spurt. Now, if Rhea came out in a a pair of like, what, pro kids? What are the cool kids call them these days, Alex? What, the, uh, what, uh, Vans? Rhea. Vans, whatever the heck. We call them them pro kids. The the Vans old school skate shoes. Okay. The high tops. So she's she's basically in her bare feet. Right. If if Charlotte was in her bare feet, 
Rhea would be towering over her by about two inches. So Charlotte puts on the monster heels, thus looking bigger than Rhea and obviously much bigger than uh, Bianca. She, she looks like an Amazon standing there, which gives you the perception that she's bigger and badder and rougher and tougher and that she stands head and shoulders above the rest. So that's a veteran right there understanding what she needs to do to come across like the biggest star, knowing in the back of her mind she's about to get dumped on her face. Um, You said it before we went to to break about Bianca. I said it on The Bump last week. You know that show, The Bump, with my good buddy Matt Camp? I've never heard of either of them. (laughs) Tremendous. Uh, That show's still on the air? uh, Yeah, we're we're about to take it over next week. Okay. Um, So, I love uh, it. <laughs> you'll be my co-host. Forget about LaGreca. He can sweep the floors. He's um, in prison. By the way. This is true. Uh, prison. Cr- hard, hard times. Christina. Doing hard times. Loyal Nation member Christina. Can you, you're a police officer. Can you check to see if, you know, use your, your police skills. Can you see if he's in prison? Because nobody knows where he is. Check every jail in Huntsville. That's a shout out to you. Could you imagine idea. LaGreca in a real jail? It would be like a Deliverance, too. It's in Huntsville, brother. <laughs> None of his like family. sags would uh, get over either. That's where the Dudley family came from. We watched Deliverance one too many times. <laughs> um, as far as uh, uh, Charlotte, Rhea, and Bianca is concerned, like I was saying on the bump, uh, uh, Bianca was my MVP of the women's rumble. She was there for about 30 minutes, but she stood out. And Tommy, from the minute the girl comes out, uh, she finds a way to steal the segment. Like when when Charlotte said, you know, there's champions talking here, go stand in the corner. You got that whole vibe from uh, from Bianca of, oh, no, she didn't. Like she was floored that Charlotte would have the cojones to ever say that, you know, to her. And then she steps in the middle and she gives her the line, which got over a couple weeks ago, like, you don't even go here. And the people are firmly behind them. And then to see Bianca and Rhea kind of team up to leave Charlotte laying. Do you think the two of them laying Charlotte out hurt Charlotte in any way, shape, or form? No. And what Cody and MJF did for their careers elevating uh, themselves and getting people interested in a match Charlotte did for NXT and elevated NXT and Rhea Ripley elevated NXT because she defended, she's the champion. That's what a champion's supposed to do. Charlotte coming back to NXT and Charlotte being used as the promotional tool for NXT helped make NXT established. It helped make NXT look like a larger brand which is supposed to what's supposed to happen when we say, hey, we're separate brands. And I loved Charlotte coming back. I loved her being, Charlotte is the best woman's wrestler uh, pretty much to come out of NXT. And some people may disagree, but I'm talking about in-ring performer. And Charlotte coming back and being the queen helps NXT continuously be, hey, we're supposed to be different. Because trust me, I had a bigger problem with uh, Angel Garza being on NXT. And you could totally see the difference. Because when he came out on Raw, and you always say it, when they're in Sheboygan or Des Moines, they don't get these reactions. Uh, Hector, I'm sorry, Angel Garza got no reaction when he came out on Raw. But when he's wrestling on NXT, people are going nuts for him. I had a problem with that because, again, 
we're not sticking to our brand split. Where was Alina Vega? She lives in Orlando. She could have drove to the show. Um, what is the deal? Is he a heel? Is he a babyface? He's supposed to be a, a heel on Raw, but now we're loving him on NXT, and he's also making a challenge for his title. So it was to me that was a disconnect. But again, we're talking about the one segment, and Charlotte Flair helped put NXT on the map bigger, but Rhea Ripley put the exclamation point on this is my place. Uh, and I'm going to defend it no matter what. Me and you did that in ECW, and it, anybody who came in from an outsider and got people behind us, they were all, any outsider, if they were from WCW or WWE, they came to our house. And that's the same feel that I got watching that promo. It was a great piece of business by all three women. I don't buy too much into the ratings every week, but it seems to be something that wrestling fans love to look at. And we will kind of dissect them here on the show every once in a while. But I think it's a pretty good barometer of what's going on every Wednesday night. It's basically the only barometer we have other than social media feedback. When Becky showed up at NXT uh, a couple of months ago, I guess right before Survivor Series, it popped a rating for NXT. Do you think Charlotte showing up at NXT will help NXT with their rating from last night. You know, you and I don't go with ratings either because uh, that's not, they're not legit. We always talk about it, but sadly networks do. Um, you know who is the winner? And you and I always say this, wrestling fans. I've been in the business 30 years. You've been in the business close to 30 years. We're both enjoying what we're seeing. And to me, like I said, the shows were so similar, but yet so different. And it was great storytelling. Uh, I think every one of the, you know, every nation member either watches or DVR is one of the other show. And what are we getting? We're getting quality entertainment from both shows, which we haven't seen in so long because of, of this competition. I, I love it. it. It keeps on making everybody step up. And that's how the business should be. The weak and the people who I don't want to say don't have it or not, they're not going to be on television because they're only going to start showing their stars because that's what they have to do to compete. And and everybody that you're seeing, minus a, a handful of some people, uh, are either stars. And it's, you know, if the business wasn't the way it was, it's like, you know, time to cut bait on some people and let them go somewhere else. But uh, what, to answer your question, both shows were super duper positive. Both shows were, were great for wrestling fans. Uh, I don't know if you danced around the question, though, so I'm going to kind of put the gun back up to you. Okay. Do you do you think Charlotte will move the needle for NXT the way Becky did? Um, I don't know. I don't remember the whole numbers of, of like, Becky coming in. Uh, if that – I know they only beat them one week out of uh, all of them. Uh, moving the needle – I don't know because of what we saw. I, I can't answer that question. I, I really don't know. Uh, you would hope okay. so if you're from the WWE side. But, dude, we, we talked about this the other day. I thought Raw was a phenomenal show, and the ratings went down. And then sometimes when I watch Raw and I was like, oh, man, this show is horrible, and then the ratings are up. So it's like, eh, how, you know, who the hell am I to judge what people are watching? And because the rating system is so skewed, like I've told you this before, I'm gonna be, you know, I'm forty, gonna be forty nine year old. I'm gonna be forty nine years old next week. I've never met one person who was a, a Nielsen family member. So, 
if I was a Nielsen family member, they every ratings, every wrestling company would have more uh, ratings because I watch everything. Me and LaGreca uh, would def- feel like, seriously, if me and LaGreca watched uh, were Nielsen home, we would probably up the rating because it's like almost like 350 to 400,000 people for one person who has a box. So that between the two of us would be 800,000 people watching wrestling. It's and a skewed you, and system. You- and you count as two people, so you could even double that. Um, with the three of them standing in the ring, they, they all looked impressive in their own right. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, I was speaking very highly of Rhea and what I thought her chances were to keep moving forward and become a star. I said I wanted to see Rhea face-to-face with Charlotte. We got that on Raw. We got that again last night. But there's just something about Bianca Belair that I believe trumps the both of them when it comes to that it factor and that star power and just being able to... Listen, there are people that demand the spotlight and then there are those who command the spotlight. Performers who demand the spotlight basically are chasing the hug. They're basically telling the spotlight, please find me, please find me. People who command the spotlight don't have to do a damn thing because the spotlight will find them. And I think Bianca Belair is the type of potential superstar and talent which the spotlight will find her. Do you? Would you rather see, if they, if they were to go to WrestleMania with this, would you rather see Charlotte versus Rhea straight up, or would you rather see those three women in a three-way dance? I would love the three-way dance uh, for, it could also, the continuation of where it can go um, if, let's say, whoever whoever costs the other person the, the victory. And, you know, Rhea Ripley has emerged as a gigantic star for NXT. And when she comes out on Raw, the place rumbles uh, for her or SmackDown when they were doing the Survivor Series uh, across, you know, promotion uh, across the brands. Uh, Bianca Belair has been a star and she's a quick, fast rising star. You know, I remember uh, it was... um, not what his name Sam Roberts when he said she shouldn't be on the pay-per-view and people that was his first mess up in the people's eyes for uh stating his opinion and everyone was like how dare you say that about her blah 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 so she has the people behind her and you know like you said she's a star and she's also a star it's a different to be a star in the wrestling business because she has both qualities or, you know, in, in real sports, they say a five-tool player. She's a five-tool player. She can speak, she, but she backs it up with her wrestling. There's people whose their promos are great and their wrestling isn't that good. Or there's people who think of all the, the backlash in the beginning of poor Roman Reigns because he fumbled on two words back-to-back weeks and people are like, oh, he's horrible. He shouldn't be getting a push. You know, when you have the insider saying Roman Reigns is the guy, but you have to overcome all that. And this woman has established herself quickly as a five-tool player of she can walk the walk and talk the talk. And that's why people get behind her. Heel or babyface. 
Like what you're hearing? Catch Busted Open live Monday through Saturday from 9 a.m. to noon Eastern on Sirius XM Fight Nation Channel 156 or on demand with the Sirius XM app. I thought it was a good match between Moxley and Ortiz. They got the job done. Moxley goes over, but more important than the business of the match was the business that they did after the match because that's when the storytelling came into play. So Dreamer, Moxley goes into his pocket, pulls out the Ford GT uh, keys. I'm not sure if the car is worth 750000 or millions. Jericho always changes his mind from week to week. Um, and he takes out the eye of Santana. Yeah. And... The car is 750000 by the way. There's only 10 made in the world. I like... I'm, I think I'm going to get one. I don't fit in it, but I think I'm going to get one. Um, do you like what they did last night? And do you think they're going to go down the road of Moxley plucking out the eye of every inner circle member before he eventually gets to Jericho? Well, it's that's a tough angle to continue to go after uh i had suffered a severe eye injury when my dog stuck his paw in my eye and Oof, one thing that was brutal yeah that dude. was brutal and one thing that uh is missing where it's a re- this really does happen and why people have to wear eye patches um your eye instinctively shuts because it's too much light and uh sensitivity in your injured eye to your other eye, and both your eyes will start closing. That's why at times you have to wear an eye patch because your brain can't handle it, and your brain is then protecting your body. Um, that is a real deal where you know people say it's your equilibrium, which does get off, um, but it's your body protecting itself, and that's why you have to wear an eye patch. Um, and yes, it does heal unless you totally you know messed up your or scratched your cornea to the point of you needed surgery. It's a hard deal. I mean, my eye was bleeding uh, without like blood, and with you know everyone's holding it. I don't know if you can continue to pluck out people's eyes unless you hire somebody who, like they did it in Pacific Northwest, where uh, it was actually Raven uh, pulled out a guy's eye, but he had a glass eye, and uh, it, it could work. But I like, I'm still getting revenge. And I'll tell you, for the last two weeks, two things that impressed me was, one, and this kid's going to have a career for a long, long time, is MJF. MJF on the microphone was a young Roddy Piper. And he can, besides being a professional wrestler, when he decides to hang it up a long time from now, he can go and be one hell of an announcer. And Chris Jericho, I'm the biggest fan because everything Jericho touches, he's got the Will Smith uh, touch of gold or the rock. He's one hell of an announcer as well and can rest on his laurels. But he just adds to the element of an announced team that has, I don't know, 10,000 different announcers, but Jericho always stands out no matter what he does. When we talk about that it factor and you talked about stars can always shine, um, Jericho on the mic is is beyond entertaining. And I also love, and I haven't really seen it since Sandman, the fans sing his music. I saw it on the cruise and I was like, this is great television. And everyone is singing his song, which helps his, you know, own, you know, music career, and then what he normally does in his bloated, tight, uh, little shirt or jacket he's wearing, he just tells him to shut up, and it's just like 
that's why he's Chris Jericho, and that's why he's he's seriously he's one of my favorite people to watch. And I, you know, I always can remove my friendship from a person in the sense of man, this guy's one hell of a performer. But he shines bright so far, and that angle with uh, John Moxley and him, it's it's a fun in the sense angle. It's a great way. But you know, he told the story of you know I was the one who brought him to AEW. I was the one who helped him early on in his career, and this is how he repays me. And, you know, and the people are so behind Moxley and it, 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 I don't even want to say it's an interesting, it's a bit of a mix of styles, but it should be one hell of a match. It shouldn't be the main event, it sh- but it's going to be one hell of a match. Tell me why it shouldn't be the main event. It doesn't have the emotional investment that Cody and MJF have. So you think that the emotional investment of Cody and MJF should trump the AEW World Heavyweight Championship with Chris Jericho as your champion? At this time, I do. This match, it, everything is right place, right time. Um, uh, you know, when we were talking before about where, where you can go. I don't know if you, if you want to try to get more heat on Cody in the cage and have him locked in the cage and get another ass whipping. That's, that's one thing. But, um, you know, it, it's that has the people talking more and more about from what happened. And, you know, I don't think anyone really thinks that uh, John Moxley is blind. I don't think anyone really thinks that uh, Santana is blind. But I do think, you know, because people witnessed it, what happened to Cody, it's real. Um, refresh my memory. What did the horseman do to Dusty in a cage? Well, it happened a lot of times. They usually jumped him, beat him up. It, you know, when Didn't he, they break his leg? What, what that was wasn't that? the horse. That was the early stages of the horseman uh, in the sense of that was, uh, I mean, they, they, Dusty got turned on a, a few times. Uh, one time when Ole Anderson uh, was his partner and he pretty much chose him and then they, they broke his leg there uh, and then he got when they brought in the boot, that was another time where he was in the cage and he got jumped. But like the the one thing that's in a famous line, and I would always say it to Cody, and I would also say it to Dream, like whenever he was hanging out with Arn Anderson, I'd be like, Rhodes and Andersons don't get along. You can't trust him. He's going to turn on you. And it was, uh, you know, stuff like that can always happen. I don't think you don't need heat anymore with Cody and MJF. You know, be, the the payoff is going to be, if you're going to go at the the finish of the pay-per-view match, whether you're going to go for heat there. They have enough built-in heat, enough emotional investment that people, like I said, just want to pay. I want to – listen, I've been watching wrestling since I'm nine years old. That's going to be 40 years coming up next week, and I would pay a ticket to see MJF versus Cody Rhodes. Uh, I agree with that, that at the end of the day, the idea is to make people put their hand in their pocket, pull out their hard-earned money – and plop it down to buy a ticket or buy a pay-per-view or buy a shirt or buy anything because we're in the wrestling business. It's not wrestling friends. It's business, and dollars and cents are the only thing that's tangible. Let me ask you this. Any chance, and would this be smart booking, that Cody beats Wardlow in the cage in Atlanta, but then Cody finds himself locked in the cage with MJF and Wardlow and Maybe MJF hires some hitmen and they lock him in. What if they broke Cody's leg and you couldn't get the match at Revolution 
because even though Cody went through all of MJF's stipulations, they break his leg or they shatter his ankle or something like that where the match can't happen and they draw it out to maybe double or nothing. It's Anything's a possibility. You know, in Impact Wrestling, we're now dealing with the factor of ratings and getting pe- more people eyes on the product. And just like WWE, when people are talking about how come they're just doing this, um, at, you know, me and Dave talked about giving away a ladder match versus Rey Mysterio and Andrade on Monday Night Raw and not doing it for the Royal Rumble and basically setting up an angle from a ladder match for the very next week for the Royal Rumble because it's about uh, they already have their it's not all about pay-per-view buys anymore. If you want to go to try to do that and not give the match at the pay-per-view or give a a different finish at the pay-per-view and finish the angle up on television, you know, trust me, it's where's this payoff going to be? The revenue no longer comes from pay-per-view. It comes, you know, is it from television viewership? Uh, How many eyes are, are coming to the network? There's all different elements as opposed to, you know, back in the 90s and early 2000s when pay-per-view revenue really floated your company. Now that's not it. You know, it's TV rights and TV revenue. So, you know, if you're looking at it from a business aspect, that's going to be the big decision from, you know, a Tony Khan where, hey, where are we going to pay this match off to the fans? Thanks for listening. Catch us Monday through Saturday on Busted Open from 9 a.m. to noon Eastern on Sirius XM. Fight Nation Channel 156. The Busted Open Podcast. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand.